Let me, let me just request prayer because I believe God's a healing God. Amen? And I've been blessed my whole life. Never had a broken bone. Never had any major surgery. I, I almost never get sick. I, I've, been, I've, I've been blessed. Never got COVID. Got God, uh, man, I'm blessed. Except for that stupid thing out in the hallway. It makes me mad. But God's still a healer. What they want to do is, is surgery, which they probably can't even get to until November. So it's going to be a long haul. I'll have to preach on the sling. But they said I could duct tape my, my microphone to it. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> so uh, I just appreciate Just pray for healing. That's all I care about. Let's just get this. This is nonsense. And, it, and God, God, God can heal. And, and uh, you know, I'm not bummed out. I'm not like, oh, I'm fine. Just hurt a lot. But we're fine. And uh, if they have to do this, they're going to have to nail some things in my arm. My first time with nails in my body. But uh, God can heal, and we're, that's what we're hoping for. Okay. Just want to tell you that so I don't have to repeat it 50 times after church. All right. All right. Now are you ready for the word? For those of you that hold time against me, start now. Okay. So we want, we're on the second message. Uh, last uh, week, we, we, didn't even, we didn't even put it out there. Uh, I think you can see it on the website and stuff, but just didn't feel it was appropriate to get into all that with the community. But I wanted, we talked about the spirit of Antichrist. And this week, I want to talk about the spirit of anointing. And next week, we'll talk about the spirit of Antioch. And we're going to talk about what the church should look like in the last days. But I want to talk about the anointing, the anointing of God. Because what you have to understand is that he is the anti-Christ. What does the word Christ mean? Anointed. Give me a second. It's hot up here. All right. He's the anti-anointing. <laughs> Think about that. He has his own anointing, his own fake power. So we have the anti-anointing, and that means we have got to get a hold of the real anointing. So we need to understand what it is, how it works, and I, you know, we, we can and we did. And we have preached a whole series on the anointing, what it is. So we don't have a lot of time on this, but I did, let, let's go to Malachi chapter 4. This is the, in, in the verses uh, four, uh, 1 through 5. I'm going to go back a little bit, 1 through 5. And understand these, these scriptures have been foundational to our church, really. The whole thing about Father, Son, and uh, you know, anointing and, and all that sort of thing, which has been foundational to our church for decades. But here's what it says in the message translation. Count on it. The day is coming like a raging forest fire. Did you see the pictures from Israel? 
All the arrogant people who do evil things will be burned up like stove wood, burned to a crisp, nothing left but scorched earth and ash, a black day. But for you, sunrise, the sun of righteousness, will dawn on those who honor my name, healing, radiating from his wings. You will be bursting with energy like colts, frisky and frolicking. Yeah. And you'll tromp on the wicked. There'll be nothing but ashes under your feet on that day. God of the angel armies says so. (laughs) Watch verses 4 and 5. But remember and keep the revelation I gave (coughs) through my servant Moses, the revelation I commanded at Horeb for all Israel, all the rules and procedures for right living. But also, look ahead. Look ahead. I'm sending Elijah, the prophet, to clear the way for the big day of God, the decisive judgment day, the day of the Lord. He will convince parents to look after their children and children to look up to their parents. If they refuse, I'll come and put the land under a curse. I think one of the greatest curses we have now in America is fatherless. Lessness. Come on. They said the single most thing that determines whether or not a child becomes a Christian, 70% is whether or not he has a father in the home. And it, I can give you all kinds of statistics. Sometimes the world is giving us a low opinion of men, but we need our dads. We need our fathers in the spirit as well as physically. Do you all understand what I'm saying? So in the last days, he's going to send Elijah, only it's not really going to be so much one person. He, the spirit is not big like John the Baptist who came in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way for For the first coming of Jesus. Amen? What does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord? I got so much on my mind. Y'all better be praying for me. What does it mean to prepare the way of the Lord? It means to make space. I like that. To make space for him. So Elijah, or so John the Baptist came to make space for Jesus. And we know how John wound up. But now there's the spirit of Elijah is coming, and I think already he is here. The spirit of Elijah, and it's going to come upon certain individuals in the church and on, let's just say, certain congregations. And the spirit of Elijah is coming in these last days, and it's going to settle on the church, the real church. How many want to be part of that? Are you sure? Because it means we're going to look kind of weird and we're going to be out there and we're going to be a target. You'll come visit me in jail? Thank you. If you come, yeah, because if you come visit me, they may keep you. Okay. Notice that real quick that John's message was repentance. And notice that the people that hindered him the most were the church people. 
because they were losing their position and their power and their message. And the same thing is going to happen today because people are not, there's too many people not preaching what they're supposed to be preaching. I don't know how many churches today will hear a message like I'm going to give you this morning. It's all self-help and all kinds of weird stuff. It's more about psychology and politics than it is the Word of God. Can I get an amen? Come on, I need your support. So notice also the enemies. By the way, I could preach so much on this. I pray I stay focused. His enemies were who? Ahab, Jezebel, Sister Jesse, remember? And they were religious people, but they believed in many gods. And remember when he called fire down from heaven? And he had like a thousand prophets, and they're all dancing and doing their thing. And, and that's, that's the thing. What you have to please, under, please understand what I'm about to say. What's happening today, what's happening in the spirit realm today is this. The old pagan gods are coming back. It's not just sin. It's not just people doing bad things. These gods that have been under lock and key because Christianity, for better or for worse, controlled society. But we have lost control. And the gods, little g, are coming back. So we have a confrontation between the God. And it's no wonder so many people are, are, are depressed and, and they're, they're facing crisis and they're, and, and they're, they're having all these, uh, they don't know what to do or where to go or what to believe. They're having identity crises. They don't know who they are. They don't even know what gender they are. I saw funny the other day, they said, you know, archaeologists dig up all these old bodies and, and, and they never found more than two genders. <laughs> never found more than two. But all of a sudden, we got 43 genders. What is that? That's polygamy. That's not polygamy. That's <laughs> <laughs> not polygamy. <laughs> There's that going around too. I don't know. Oh, Lord. All right. I'm not going to say anything about polygamy. All right. It's about many gods. Okay? And many identities. But there's one God and one identity. I'm going to say something here. I do not find, I do not, mm, hallelujah, I appreciate my heritage and all that stuff, but I don't find my identity in my, in my skin color. I don't find it in my background. I don't find it in my past. I don't find it in my gender. I find my identity in Jesus Christ. That's my identity. That is who I am. I am a child of the King. I've been infused, hallelujah, with God's DNA. Woo. Hey, I still got two good feet. Amen. <laughs> Everybody with me? I know my identity. So real quick, we got to understand, we need the anointing of God. 
And what is the anointing? And people have called the anointing everything. There's so much misunderstanding about the anointing. But go back to the Old Testament when they were in the tabernacle. Moses was told to anoint everything. Anoint the furniture. Anoint the priest. Anoint the clothing they wore. Why? Because the anointing is the covering. The anointing, without the anointing, when the fire came in, it would have consumed the furniture, killed the priests. You can't see God and live. Oh, I want his presence. Think again. I want his presence. You better have his anointing. The reason we confuse all this is because the anointing is what you feel. It's that tingling. It's that hair going up in the back of your neck. Come on. You feel the anointing. You're aware of his presence. If you feel anything, it's that anointing. I remember when God anointed me to be a preacher. I felt like you ever do that game where you, you, you pretend you break an egg on someone's head and it feels like there's an egg. <laughs> Amen. That's what I felt when God called me to preach. He anointed me. That anointing never leaves. You always have it. Why? Because that anointing covered me so I can be in his presence. It covered me so I can know the glory of God. It covered me so the power of God can work through and flow through me. That's the anointing of God. And that's what we have to have. Give God praise. Amen. Do you understand? So when you're anointing, it gives you power and permission and skill to do what God's called you to do. So you need to be anointed to be a pastor. You need to be anointed to be a singer. You need to be anointed to be a teacher. You need to be anointed. Whatever you do, you need to be under the anointing which allows you the presence. Is that helpful? The anointing opens spiritual doors. That's what we need. Real quick, I want you to understand that we've just experienced what the new year, right? Rosh Hashanah. This is the Jewish year, 5,784. In God's mind, it is not 2023. It's 5,784. 6,000 is kind of a, I don't think we get beyond that. Because <laughs> then we have the seventh day, the seventh 7,000. 5,784, and these numbers all mean something, but let's just look at 84 real quick. The eight, the eight is, every number in Hebrew has uh, an adjacent letter in the Hebrew alphabet, which has meaning. So the number eight means the mouth or the voice, <laughs> not the TV show. So this is the decade of the voice. This is the decade of God speaking to his church. The four, if I, I didn't take the time to do it, but if you look at that letter, it looks like a door. 
and it means a door. So this is the, the decade of the voice of God, and it's, and it's the year now uh, of the door of God. And we need to get through that door. Who knows what's behind that door? Jesus. Real quick, there are four doors basically in, in Scripture in the Old Testament. Number one is the family door. The family door. Your family has a door that you need to keep open for the power of God to flow in your family. The power of God's not just about what you experience here on Sunday morning. It's about what happens at home. So how do you get that door open? Passover, blood. You know, I, I read something the other day I was, really wasn't aware of because a lot of times you see pictures and, and they're, they're painting the blood over the door. No, no, no. The blood wasn't painted. They had like a leafy thing called hyssop. And they dipped that in the blood and they would strike the door. Whew. Our Savior wasn't painted. He was struck. The blood came out forcefully, and you, you, when you came by those doors, you wouldn't see neat little, neat little red things on the door. You would see the blood splatter on the door. We need to be covered by the blood of Jesus. It's the family door. It's Noah and his family going into the ark, and it said God closed the door. Woo! And that means God opened the door. So there's a door to the family. Number two, there's a door to the sanctuary. There's a sanctuary door. Exodus chapter 36, verse 37 from the message. They made a screen door. Not a, not, that's not a screen door. <laughs> it's made out of cloth. A screen for the door of the tent woven from blue, purple, scarlet, fine white linen with embroidered. Broidery. They framed the weaving with five poles of acacia wood. The five is the fivefold ministry. Wood, always symbolic of humanity. Jesus was fully human. Covered with a veneer of gold. Gold symbolizing deity. Come on. And they made gold hooks to hang the weaving. And five bronze, bronze being the color of and the material of, of judgment. How many know we've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus for the poles? So we see this beautiful door with these colors, blue representing heavenly places, scarlet representing the blood, purple representing authority. How many know the church has authority? And the linen representing the white, the purity of the church. What a door we have. Amen. What an opportunity for the church to, to abide in the power and the glory of God as we are, we are, as we are anointed to be that for the la How many know the church needs to be that for the last days? Wow, Jesus. Number three, I'm, tr I'm trying to hurry up. Number three is the city door. There's a door to the city. Every city had the gates of the city. And that's where the elders would meet. They wouldn't meet in some building somewhere. They met out in the open at the, at the gate of the city. And that's where they made decisions. If you had a question about the law, if someone 
you know, did you wrong. You went to the gate of the city where the elders sat. And that's where decisions were made, at the gates. Come on, church. It's interesting. Jesus calls the church, the Greek word in, for church in the New Testament is ecclesia. And ecclesia was, was a Greek word because there was no such thing as a church. There was no word for it. So Jesus used the word ecclesia. And the ecclesia was the ruling members of a city. <laughs> oh, this is, this is too good. The people that were in charge, in today's language, the mayor, the city council, the, the, the chief of police, all, all the authorities were called the ecclesia. And Jesus said, that's what I'm calling my people. Whether we are a mayor or not, we're in charge of the city. We are the ecclesia. We are the authority. Come on, we don't exercise it. We don't pray like we should pray. But God said, you are, amen, you are the door. The door to blessings, not through the mayor's office. It's through the church office. And if we'll pray and believe God, I believe God can turn Mansfield around. And we can get back some of these stores that glory is missing. Amen. <laughs> the city door, the city door. Number four is the treasury door. There was a door to the treasury. And it wasn't really a door. You know those yellow boxes back there in the back? That's basically what it was, only probably a lot bigger. It was a box. And let's, let's get a little bit into this, Second Kings chapter 12 and they were trying to rebuild the temple. This is watch how this works. And, and Jehoash said to the priests, "All the money of the dedicated gifts that are brought into the house of the Lord, each man's census money, each man's assessment money, and all the money that a man purposes in his heart to bring into the house of the Lord, the tithes and the offerings, let the priests take it themselves, each from his constituency, and let them repair the damages of the temple. I believe the church is damaged today. He said, let's, let, we need, so it's not just about money, but let them repair the damages of the temple wherever any dilapidation is found. Now, it was so by the 23rd year of King Je Jehoash that the priest had not repaired the damages. 23 years they've been collecting money and hadn't been fixing things. Where do you think the money went? The priests were living good, but the house was in ruins. Come on, church. There's too many churches. The buildings are amazing, and the pastor's well paid, and, and I'm not saying they shouldn't be, but what about the ministry? Where's the glory? What good is a beautiful, beautiful building and a good-looking pastor? I'm not sure what the laugh means. But what good is that if there's no glory in the house? Someone, someone help me in this house. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so watch this. Verse, uh, 
So he says, why have you not repaired the damages of the temple? Now, therefore, do not take more money from your constituency, but deliver it for the repairing uh, the damages of the temple. And the priest agreed that they would neither receive more money from the people nor repair the damages of the people. The king has a way of doing those things. Then Jehoiada, the priest, took a chest. There's the, there it is. And bored a hole in its lid. And set it beside the altar on the right side as one comes into the house of the Lord. And the priest who kept the door put there all the money brought into the house of the Lord. So it was whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest that the king's scribe and the high priest came up and put it in bags, counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Amen. Then they gave the money which had been apportioned into the hands who did the work, who did the oversight of the house of the Lord, and they paid it out to the carpenters and builders who worked on the house of the Lord. And to masons and stonecutters for buying timber and stone, repair the damages, and for all that was paid out to, uh, uh, to repair the temple. One more verse, I think. However, there, was not, there were not made for the house of the Lord. Uh, okay, so whatever. But the point here is simply this. We have to make sure things go where they need to go. And it's all about the glory of God. Again, I'm not saying we can't have nice places. Can't say, I'm not saying we can't have nice clothes or whatever. But we need to make sure that our resources are used for the building of the kingdom of heaven. That's where it needs to go. Someone give him praise. Amen. Let me say this too. It's not just church treasury. It's your treasury. And you need to make sure your treasury is being done appropriately. So your treasure is being used the way it should be used. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know, Jesus drove out the money changers. And it wasn't because money changers were not allowed, because they were, even in the law of Moses. It was a, a way for poor people to, and for people who were traveling a long distance. You don't want to travel 300 miles with a goat, you know? <laughs> so it was a way of exchanging things so you can get the sacrifices you need. But it had become the focus of ministry. It had become the focus of the church. When money becomes your focus, you're out of focus. <laughs> you're not building the kingdom anymore. You're building your own thing. All right. Case in point, are we okay? Hallelujah. All right, I want you to notice something. I got it. You okay? How many are still here? I know I don't usually preach like this. This is different, but we're in different times. And I'm trying to get you ready. So the good stuff is coming. So we got these four doors. Notice that in Numbers chapter 11, what God does with the anointing. The anointing rested on who? Moses. And it was too heavy for Moses. And Jethro, not the guy on the Beverly Hillbillies. <laughs> Moses' father-in-law. Lord, I got to help these people. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, sometimes father-in-law's got some good advice. He comes and tells Moses that you need to delegate. So what did God do? 
The Bible says God took of the Spirit on him and put it on 70 elders. And now it wasn't just Moses prophesying. These 70 now were prophesying and doing the work of ministry. This is what God is doing even in the church today. But unfortunately, too many people say, well, if the preacher's not there, or I'm here and he better, he better preach the right thing, or I just can't get here unless he lays hands on me. The anointing was never meant for one man. It was meant for whosoever will. Because I guess two of the 70 weren't prophesying where they're supposed to be prophesying. And they're running around the camp blessing people, prophesying. And the church people complained that they were out of order. And you know what Moses said? Moses said, I would to God that all God's people could prophesy. Woo! Not just the 70. How many know that's exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost? Listen, it gets better than this. Can I teach a little bit? That 70 became the Sanhedrin in later centuries. So the Sanhedrin in Jerusalem had 70 members during the time of Jesus. And they were, they were supposed to be prophets but they couldn't, even, they couldn't even realize the prophet amongst them. So that's, that's the picture of the church world today. You're right. We got a church who doesn't even realize that Jesus is coming back. So the Sanhedrin became his worst enemy instead of his biggest supporter. I want you to notice something. Jesus had the 12, right? But how remember when he sent them out, when he appointed how many? Seventy. Sent them out two by two. Why did he pick 70? Because I believe, and here's why I believe what I believe, and I'm not going to tell you what I believe until I say what I believe. One person followed me, but it was good. When they came back, what did they say? We had power. We cast out demons. We healed the sick. And Jesus said, well, okay, don't just celebrate that, but celebrate that your lamb, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. But you know what else he said? He said, yeah, while you were out ministering, I saw Satan fall from heaven. There's some confusion about this, but you need to understand when Satan was in the garden, he was still an angel. He already had an attitude, like some church people. <laughs> but let's jump, to, uh, uh, let's jump to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13. We don't seem to understand that angels were created to serve us. What? Is that in the word of God? 
But which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit salvation? Punch somebody and say, that's me. Angels were created to serve God's creation. But Lucifer didn't like it. And he's standing upright. He's a normal angel. And he tempts Eve. And they fall. He comes under a curse. But there's pl- I don't have time, but there's plenty of evidence in Scripture that he still had access. He's the accuser. Remember Job? So there's plenty of evidence that he still had access to heaven and all of his fallen angels or whatever. I don't know how many fell at that point. Maybe just Lucifer. We don't know. But we do know that when the 70 started operating under the anointing of Jesus, that Satan was kicked out of heaven. And I think all of his, all of his cronies, of course, kicked out of heaven with him. Why? Because the church had become the Sanhedrin and we took money. Moses' authority in that moment and kicked the devil out of heaven. Jesus didn't say, I threw him out of heaven. He said, I saw him fall out of heaven. I think when he saw the 70 operating under the anointing, it made his head spin and he fell. He got dizzy and fell all the way to earth. Does that make you feel a little something about the anointing you have? Ecclesia, authority. If we can just stay under that anointing, my God, what a powerful thing that would be. I'm going to add one more thought to this. You okay? The first mention of a door in Scripture It's Genesis chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. And in the process of time came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel, the secondborn, also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. You all know the story, right? But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry. And his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? Of course, God knew. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you live the way you're supposed to live, will you not operate under the anointing of God? If you do not do well, sin lies. Not the power of God. Not the presence of God. Sin, that word lies in the Hebrew, crouches like a lion at the door. And its its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Get behind me, Satan! I rebuke you. I resist you. 
in the name of Jesus. All right, but that's not all. I want you to notice that Eve, her name was not Eve until after the fall. Well, what did they call her? They called her woman. <laughs> Actually, it's womb, womb man. So it's whoa, man. So I, Adam would just call her wo- woman. But I don't think that's the way it was. You know what? I think it was when Adam first saw Eve, he said, whoa, man. That's what I think. <laughs> I got some people looking at, okay, move on, Pastor. You've <laughs> so she was just womb man until after the fall. And then strangely, now they're going to, now they die. They don't live forever. But yet he names her Eve, which is mother of all living. But they're all going to die. <laughs> but he calls her the mother of all living. She's the bride of the first man, Adam. And she's the mother of everything that's alive. Jesus. I think Norman knows, Norman's the only one who knows where I'm going. Adam is the second Adam and has a bride. And she also is mother of all living. Whatever is alive on this planet, whatever works right on this planet, whatever is godly on this planet, whatever is holy on this planet, whatever is anointed on this planet, it comes through the church, the salt of the earth, the light set on a hill. We are the anointing of God. Hallelujah. Somebody help me praise him in this place. We're Eve. We're the mother of the living. Glory to God. And we, remember what it said? You're going to have pain. Well, pain and childbearing. But you're going to step on his. So we got some pain, but we got a whole lot of victory. Adam doesn't, I mean, yeah, Adam doesn't step on its head. He said, your seed, your seed. Are we not brothers to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are we not sons of God? We are the seed of the living, the mother of all. Glory to God. The church has birthed every one of you into the kingdom of God. And we are amongst the living on this planet. And we walk in the anointing of God Almighty. Am I helping anybody? Am I encouraging anybody? Is anybody ready? Just lay some hands on somebody and let's operate in the power of the Holy Ghost in these last... Stand to your feet and give Him glory and give Him praise. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Isaiah 10, 27. 
It shall come to pass in that day, that's today, that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be, the yoke will be what? Because of what? But I can't just lay my hand on you and say, you are no great. One reason, because you already are, but you haven't exercised. What does that mean that the yoke, y'all, you know what a yoke is? Around the neck of an ox. And he said, it's going to break because of the anointing. What would happen with these yoke, these oxen? They would fit the yoke to them. And after weeks and months of pulling that, that plow, their neck muscles would become strong and big to the point where they would move their head and they would literally break the yoke off them because, because it doesn't fit anymore. What am I saying? You got to exercise your faith in God. And that, mm, that anointing will eventually break off the bondages, break off the depression, break off the sickness, break off the inabilities, break off whatever is holding you back, break off the doubts and fears. It'll break all that off as you exercise your faith. The anointing will break the yoke. Does that help anybody? The anointing will break the yoke off of you. Father, in Jesus' name, I know, I know this message has been deep. Some may have actually just checked out. It just doesn't interest them. But Father, let this be a church of power. Let this be a church of presence. Let this church change lives, change cities, change homes and families. Let's not just see what, what we can get out of it. Let's not just look what, what's in it for us. But God, help us to find our place. Find, our, find what we're anointed to do. Exercise our faith and begin to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit like they did on the day of Pentecost. Father, send the fire again. Send the fire. Help us. Help us, Lord. So, we'll, so we're not deceived in these last days. There's a danger of even the elect being deceived. Father, what about those who are living on the edge, barely saved, barely loving God? Where will they wind up? God, give us a 
burden to not just save the lost, but to disciple the saved. To equip them. To equip them. Which is the anointing. To cover them. To equip them. For them to realize their calling and purpose. Destiny in in these last days. We don't know what we'll face before it's over. God, give us the strength to be the people of God. A light on a hill is a target, but we must be a light. We must be salt. We are the only thing preserving this planet. We're the only thing giving its flavor. We're the only thing that can save it. Father, as pastor, I ask you, will you anoint this church as never before? Not everyone saved in this room is operating under their anointing. And for those who are operating in their anointing, most are not operating in the fullness of their anointing. So I ask you now that you will anoint so the presence, so the Spirit will be able to rest on us. in a minute to come to the altar I said earlier I can't lay hands on you and just you, you know listen I hear preacher I hear up and coming preachers say dumb things <laughs> and like when Billy Graham died or any of these great saints of God when they die they say oh I want his anointing if I could just be at his deathbed and he'll just lay hands on me and give me his anointing You can't get another man's anointing without also taking what it cost him to get it. I wish I had pastor's anointing. Are you willing to pay the price for it? I just killed my altar call. So I can't just give you an anointing, but I can help you kick open some doors. I don't know how much strength I have, but it doesn't take much. I just want to agree with you. I'll just go down through a line, and whoever whoever wants to, just come down. And I just want to put my hand on your forehead and say, God, open the door.